From the DuckDuckGo for Privacy Studio, this is News Talk A3O, WCCO. The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk A3O and Odyssey, Inc. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC, Wealth Enhancement Group, and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Good morning, Rashini Rajkumar here. You are listening to Your Money on WCCO Radio with hosts Bruce and Peg. Text us today on our studio line at 651-989-9226. Of course, all week you can ask your questions of Peg and Bruce at 888-6ADVICE or email yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. And many of you are watching the Olympics as teams Head into the medal rounds. Bruce and Peg are going to tell you what to look for in a financial team. Your senior vice president, financial advisor, Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, financial advisor, Bruce Helmer. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Peg. Hi, Rashini. Uh, thanks for being with us, listeners. We wouldn't be here without you. Rashini, that's a great lead in. And I, I know I took a little heat, probably uh, deservedly so, last week for saying, but I'm just not a huge fan of the Olympics, but I've actually in the last week been watching a lot more and, and am getting drawn into a lot of the stories. And I guess as a, as a sports fan, and I know a lot of people are different than, than this, I like the team sports. I know some people, my wife likes the individual gymnastics and things, but I, I like the team sports. And the segue from that into our show today is we're talking about a financial team. And, Peg, the things that we're going to talk about today are all things that we've talked about before. But as I've learned when people come in or when I meet, uh, when I talk to people one-on-one, we can't talk about it too often because not everybody still understands or appreciates, I think, all the things that we're going to talk about today. So, uh, Rashini also... um, Thanks for the great lead-in. And the, the information that Peg and I have today, if we interrupt for if we want to take a text or a call in the first half of the show, we can do that, and then, and then we can get back to this information. Or some of these things we might end up talking about in response to questions anyway. But, Peg, let's jump into it. Your, your financial team, what's, what's the first thing you, you'd like to say? Yeah, well, I, I like the analogy of, of talking about it um, about the Olympics uh, week, but when my financial team is, you know, I just, our tagline kind of is all the specialists you need all in one place. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, the people that we work with, and I think about this with the Olympics too, they, ha- they have to have a reason. Why are they doing what they're doing? Well, our round table actually says to people, life doesn't get any easier as you accumulate wealth or accumulate metals, silver, bronze, gold. Or, um, you know, if you're in the Olympics and you start winning the nationals, that's before the Olympics, right? So our clients are accumulating wealth and the Olympic people are accumulating these medals at nationals. But as you progress, 
the stakes just get higher and there's more decisions and there's more pressure. And what we find, Bruce, is that when they get to the point where they feel like, I don't know, I don't know anything, I don't know what to do, then they're looking for that team of people, just like the Olympics. I see on TV, you know, they've got the coaches, they've got the medical group, they've got all these people surrounding them for the what ifs. So let's start building our team, which we've done, you know, decades ago. But I like what you said. It's, it's, it's okay to remind people, like, who would those players on your team be? Well, one of the first uh, team group, I would say, when I first started decades ago, was, um, Bruce, you said to me, I have to be able to look the client in the eye and tell them that we're watching their money. And what that translates into at Wealth Enhancement Group is the advisor is so busy doing what they're doing, coaching and educating and, you know, walking through people's lives, gathering their goals. Well, then who's minding the store? Who's minding the money? Well, we quickly hired investment management team. So these are people that actually love to look at computer screens and watch 70 different markets worldwide. Which one is cheap? Which one's expensive? What percentage of what should we buy? And, and the market's just constantly changing. So of course you actually need people that that's their dedicated job. And by the way, their traits of what they do are completely different than Bruce and I, which are the frontline people you know, engaging with that client, um, getting them to take action. You know, Peg, I think that's a really important point because I don't know how you and I would have the time to do the due diligence and the research necessary to manage a portfolio or to pick and choose which asset classes we should overweight and underweight because we're talking to, cl- to clients. And, and, and face-to-face meetings and managing those relationships. And, you know, again, we talk about it a lot on the show about the roundtable team of specialists and our unique business model. Um, you know, most people that are in our space try to do it all themselves. And, and so the person that you're sitting down talking to that's your advisor is also going to be the one trying to manage a portfolio. I don't, I don't know how there's enough hours in the day to do that, when in fact we have a dedicated team of people that that's all, all that they do. And that's not typical in all business models. So, but I think it's a, it's a huge strategic advantage for us. And, and you and I rely on them. You know, our money is in these same portfolios to a large degree that we recommend to our clients. Right. We don't have the time. I mean, I, I believe in delegating to someone who does a task way better than I do. Well, you know, we still have the responsibility of going through the risk tolerance and creating the financial plan. But this is one component. Remember, this is one team member and quite a few team members that we need surrounding us to make sure that the that um, all those things are being considered as to what parts of the market are cheap. You know, and, and a big word is diversification, making sure that all of our clients are diversified. The second team member, and this is kind of in the order, Bruce, of uh, when you started the company, of how, which team did we, what, what team number did we build out next? Well, the next one was the tax preparers or the tax analysts, I would rather say. Because 
quickly we recognize taxes matter in everything you do. And in our job, I mean, we've got paychecks we're sending out. We've got clients with capital gains. We've got clients that are switching houses. We've got all sorts of things that are thrown at us that we needed specialists that are tax uh, preparers and tax analysts. So our job is during the year, the 365 days that we're in right now in 2021, we're talking taxes every day. We're talking to clients now, you know, getting ready for that end of the year and having all of our ducks in a row before you actually have the year end and then go take your pile to the actual tax preparer. So many clients use us as the analysts through the years, not necessarily use us to prepare that return, although you could. Uh, we have that as well as a service, but the tax planning is is just the be-all, end-all as far as I'm concerned. And it's probably, Bruce, the most appreciated uh, component of our financial plan that our clients uh, like. Peg and Bruce, you cover a lot of topics which, as I listen to you speak and share how important that advisor can be, it really is complicated. And this text question kind of hits on that. Uh, and people can text Peg and Bruce today at 651-989-9226 with your specific questions. This listener says, we are retired with $1 million in portfolio and also 500000 in land owned. We cannot get a mortgage because we do not have normal income and are not withdrawing from assets. How would we get money available to jump on a home in this hot market? Wow. Um, very interesting question. Peg, uh, you want to go first? Oh, sure. Uh, so the question is, how do we jump on a home in this hot market? So we have a million dollars invested, 500000 without a mortgage. Well, the first thing is, is we do actually assist many clients in creating income. So even if you didn't need income, we start sending clients a monthly paycheck because the mortgage companies love that. They like to just see, hey, money went into your bank account. To me, it sounds kind of silly. Why would they need that when you have a million dollars in the bank and you have 500000 in equity, but you have to prove to them that you can take part of that million send it to your checking every single month. Um, and and so that would be my first thing is I would pers- pursue more so uh, trying to get uh, that monthly payment uh, as a credit for being able to get a mortgage. And then secondly, some of our clients will go get a home equity loan on that 500000 that's paid for or what's called a swing loan. So you could just borrow some of the money out uh, while you're going and bidding on another house. And a lot of times, too, people will take that equity out of that house and then look like a cash buyer when they're going to buy the next house, which actually gives you kind of a leg up in this crazy market right now where there's so many people bidding on the same house. Peg, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. In fact, I particularly like the uh, the idea that we can create an income stream for the lender, but the way I interpreted the question, and I guess it was ambiguous because we, we heard it slightly differently. You heard the 500,000 as I think maybe being the home they live in now. I heard the 500,000 as maybe being some real estate that they have that they're not living in and maybe they want to buy a house so they have a place to live. 
So I'd go back, even though I agree with everything you said, I don't accept the premise of the question that we can't get a loan. I feel like I've had clients before with very low income but significant assets, and if we write a letter to the lender as the financial advisor saying, these are the assets this person has invested with us, we're able to get them a loan even though they have low income. So that's where I would start. And then if that still doesn't work, then I absolutely agree with everything that you said. But I don't accept the texture's premise that they could not get a loan based on their circumstances, a traditional loan. I think we could get it for them. Peggy and Bruce, you also have a question that came in by email this week. And and it's really great that this listener, when you were talking about vacation homes, was listening. But they have a bit of a challenge for you. So some details here in their question. This listener says, you mentioned that selling your vacation home and buying another one would qualify for tax-deferred treatment under Section 1031. I do not think that is correct. While I would like that to be the case, my research shows that it has been established vacation homes or second homes held primarily for personal use do not qualify. The the, uh, writer goes on to say, to qualify for gain deferral in a like-kind exchange, it would need to have been a rental property during parts of the past 24 months and the new place a rental property during parts of the next 24 months it is owned. Peg, I I vaguely remember talking about 1031s, but I guess I don't remember specific detail that we uh, talked about selling a vacation home and buying another. Can you shed any light on this? Yeah, so I I don't think we even mentioned um, how the home was actually owned. We did talk about a vacation home, and I actually had a client that was selling a vacation home and then going and buying one in Florida, but there are strict rules, and I'm very familiar with those strict rules, that you as a person can only use it maybe 14 days out of the year. And in this case, that was what this client was doing. It wasn't like they were using it as their full-time vacation home. So here's the rule. I, this this uh, email is absolutely correct that you can't just take a vacation home that you've lived in for all these years and then do this 1031 exchange and defer the uh, capital gains. You do have to follow those um, particular rules. Then the other thing some clients do is that they, um, you know, there's a rule that if you switch to your home, you know, and you then you live out your vacation home and you live out of it two, two out of the last five years, then you've got some, I use a different law there to get some reprieve from capital gains because if you're in your current residence and it's your real residence, then we each get 250000 capital gains tax-free provided we follow the rules. Hey, uh, uh, listeners, if you joined us late, we started our discussion today, um, and I mentioned last week that I'm not maybe as big of a fan of the Olympics going on right now as some people, but I I know that the reason why is because so many of the Olympic sports are individual sports, and I like team sports. I like baseball. I like football. I like basketball. But I do like the team sports in the Olympics. And so we started talking about a financial team, and Peggy already mentioned you know, an investment management team, someone to run the portfolios, someone to do market research and due diligence at 75 to 80 markets around the globe on a daily basis to try to decide 
what's cheap and what's expensive and, and make adjustments overweight and underweight the portfolio appropriately. Then you talked a little bit about tax planning to, uh, to, to minimize taxes because we all understand it's not what we make, it's what we get to keep. So how, what, what strategies can we use to reduce our legal tax liability? And we can also do tax preparation for some clients. We have that ability at Wealth Enhancement Group. But most of the time I tell clients, our role is not going to be your tax preparer. And again, to do a sports analogy, your tax preparer is really reporting the score of the game, of your personal game to the IRS. Our job as a, as a financial planner with strategic planning is to give that tax preparer a more favorable score on your behalf to report to the IRS so you pay less in taxes. So we talked about those two things. Who else is on our team? Well, then you kind of need your legal team, uh, which uh, gets me to estate planning. It's kind of a part of your uh, plan that people don't necessarily want to talk about, but it can be kind of a headache because people have to start thinking of who would I leave all my things to? How do I avoid probate? Deciding on do I need wills or trusts? So we actually have those people on our team and that's actually to guide our clients as to what would we recommend they do strategically wise, what what components of an estate plan do they need. Then um, they have to go hire an actual individual attorney after we give our advice to write up those documents. But that's important. And then uh, then we have a fourth one, which is liability insurance. So now we've saved all this money and we've got the tax people preparing and we've got the estate plan, but now we own things that need to have some insurance. So and that's two things, the goods and, and hard things that you own like a house and then your life, you know, um, how are you going to be able to take care of your family? God forbid something happened to you. So we have an insurance team. We have specialists that know all about medical coverage and life insurance and property tax insurance and all. Um, so those are the, the biggest components, uh, the specialists that are on our team, Bruce. So you talked about, Jade, uh, you know, attorneys uh, at Wealth Enhancement Group and estate planning. Just to add clarity for people, again, I think sometimes, Peg and Rashini, people hear the word estate planning and they tune out and they say, that's not me, because they think of estate taxes and the amount that you can exclude before you pay estate taxes is so high, it does not impact the vast majority of our listeners. But that, but estate planning, I like to use the phrase, Peg, as you know, legacy planning. It just means that when I leave this world, assuming I don't spend my last dollar the day I take my last breath, whatever's left, where do I want that to go? And we all need to do that. And we all need help doing that well and doing it right. So again, we have people on uh, on our team that are specialists in that area. And then you also mentioned insurance. Another name for that, I guess, is risk management. How do I protect my life, my physical well-being? How do I protect my stuff? Um, these things are important. Again, these are all subsets of comprehensive financial planning. And then the other one that we didn't mention, and, and maybe we'll close this segment talking about who brings it all together, but I'll save that for you, Peg. But I also want to add retirement income planning. Peg, at the risk of sounding self-serving or, or self-promotional or doing a commercial for Wealth Enhancement Group, I think one of our great strengths is helping our clients spend their money wisely and having a happy, enjoyable retirement. 
and knowing they're not going to run out of money before they run out of breath. Well, a lot of folks in our space don't do that. In fact, they don't want their clients to spend the money because they want to keep it under management where they make more money. We understand that people save and invest and plan and reduce their taxes and protect their stuff because they want to have a certain quality of life and they want to spend it. So we also help them determine what's the smartest money to spend first. And that may change from year to year. That's an ongoing lifelong process at retirement. Yeah, and just to kind of put a bow on it, then there's the financial advisor, the one who kind of keeps this all together and coordinates with all these specialists. And and the reason we bring it together is because we're the ones that are knowledgeable about the cohesive plan, and we're just getting our clients to feel less stress. And and when you feel less stress, you actually make real confident decisions. And then when I use this word team, a lot of Folks out there hear this word team all in our space, in our industry. But but you have to deep, dig a little bit deeper for what the, the definition of team is with that particular person. Yeah, we have a team. I've got people who work with me, and we're coded to these clients. And, yes, we do everything uh, that we need to to take care of families. But then surrounding us, think of it as another circle. Then there's this team of specialists uh, but we're the ones who know everything about the client, the goals, the risk tolerance. The approach that Wealth Enhancement Group takes is one that's very unique. Uh, and we communicate with each other within the company uh, frequently because, Bruce, you said it a long time ago, you don't know what you don't know, so we all rely on one another. Right. Machine, let's just drive the second half. Yes, we are definitely winding it down to the break here. You can text us today. Peg and Bruce have great answers for you, as always. 651-989-9226 on this edition of Your Money. So get your questions in. 651-989-9226. And we'll have those after the break. We are back on Your Money. Rashini Rajkumar with your hosts, Bruce and Peg. And we were talking about many topics, those of which really are enhanced and helped when you have a great financial team. Uh, text lines are open, 651-989-9226. Bruce, maybe you can give us kind of a recap of what you discussed. Yeah, thanks, Rashini. And listeners, thanks for sticking with us. Or if you joined us late, Peg and I talked about Again, in conjunction with the Olympics going on right now and all the interest in the Olympics and the team sports aspect, which is my favorite part, we talked about your financial team and we talked about having an investment manager or an investment management team to know how to manage a portfolio. We talked about specialists in reducing taxes, CPAs and, and other experts in tax that know things that you can do to reduce your legally, ethically, reduce your, your tax liability so that you keep more. We talked about estate or legacy planning. How do you get whatever's left over when you leave this world where you want it to go efficiently and effectively? We talked about uh, your team should include risk management or insurance people to protect your physical being with life insurance, health insurance, and so forth, but also good car and homeowner's insurance and, and um, maybe personal liability protection to protect your assets. Um, and then we, we also talked about... Um, that a good financial advisory team should be able to help you with your income at retirement. What's the, what money should you spend? What's the smartest money to spend first? 
And then all of this, a financial advisor brings all this team together and is kind of the coordinator or the quarterback of the whole thing and the communicator to the client. Um, Peg, before I ask you if there's any um, key things that you want listeners to get out of our discussion today, I did think of one other thing. Oftentimes when I talk about our roundtable team of specialists and how our business model is different or unique from other people in our space, one of the questions I get is, well, then do you cost a lot more? Who's paying the salary for all these accountants and for these attorneys and for these portfolio managers? Is it me? Do you have higher fees? And the reality is, is that's, again, one of our strengths. I believe, and I'll say it publicly, if you can find a financial advisory firm that does as much as we do for less than we do it, don't hire us, go hire them. I don't think they exist. And the reason, there's a lot of reasons why your fees are not higher, but one of the big ones is the show that people are listening to right now. Um, most firms spend a certain percentage of their net revenues on promotion and marketing or things to try to acquire clients. That's the biggest challenge for most financial advisors is finding people to, to use their expertise with and to tell them the things that they know. Um, to a large degree at Wealth Enhancement Group, in part because of this show and some of the other media things that we do, we've become a known entity where people actually call us and say, hey, I might want your help. Consequently, we spend less on marketing and we can uh, reposition those dollars into uh, paying for this uh, team of specialists that we have. So no, we are not more expensive. In fact, we're probably less expensive than most of our competition. And I think we you get more bang for your buck here. And I think that's the reason our client retention rate, which we measure so religiously, I think that's the biggest reason our client retention rate is so high. And again, I apologize if that sounds self-serving or like a commercial, but I, uh, that is a question I get a lot and I'd been remiss if I didn't mention it. Any last thoughts that you have for listeners, Peg, before we let them drive the show the rest of the way? Well, there's just three questions that I usually ask when people come see me, and I think the listeners would appreciate this if they heard them. It's uh, things that I think you should know if you have an advisor. You know, what's your investment return? And it sounds simple, right? But but a lot of people don't know. They might know the last 30 days. They might know the last year. But uh, what's your long-term investment return? The markets have been good. And then how much are you risking to take and get that return? Like how much, what's your risk to get that return? And then lastly, what are you paying for the service and what are you actually getting? So Bruce, I just wanted to mention that again, because it's actually difficult for people to answer those questions when they come and visit me first. So I would just encourage people that are listening to the show, think about that. And if you can't answer those questions, uh, hopefully you'll do the research too. Uh, I want to say that we are probably the most transparent company out there because of what you said, Bruce, the value that we give for the money that people pay us, they think is exceptional. And so I want everybody to know if they feel that same way, you know, what are they paying? What risk are they taking? What rate of return are they getting for what they're paying? I'm glad you brought up, do they know what their fees are? Because, Peg, I continue to be stunned by how, how often somebody comes to me the first time and I ask them that question, and they don't know. And, and I just don't think that happens. I think our clients 
understand what they're paying us. I think it's very transparent. I think they know, and I don't understand how you would not know. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. Um, Rashini, all right, let's let listeners drive us the rest of the way. Yeah, we have quite a flood of text, so let's get through these. And if you have questions for Peg and Bruce, send us a text, 651-989-9226. This listener says, love your show. How many times in life it, can one take a $500,000 tax break on selling the house? Oh, Peg, so they're, t- they're talking about uh, um, there's no there's no capital gains tax if you sell a house for more than you bought it for. Talk a little bit about that. I, again, I think there's still a lot of confusion over that, that topic, and this question is verification of that. Yeah, we each get, I mentioned that a little earlier on the front, front part of the show in responding to a caller from last week uh, with clarification, but we each get 250000 worth of gains in a house tax-free. Uh, and then if you follow the rules, living in that house two out of the last five years, I don't know that there's actually an unlimited. I mean, that's the rule. So that rule hasn't been in existence like my whole life. There's been several different types of rules. Uh, if you remember the one where if you're over 60, if you're over 55, you could exchange your house, but you had to go into a house that costs more than the one you were leaving. Like the IRS would kind of force you to roll that money over and it couldn't be less. Otherwise, you'd have a tax. Then they came up with this simplified method of $250,000 a piece. So as an example, this is what happens a lot with my clients that have two homes. So they've lived in the one uh, two out of the five years and they then sold it, but they've had a cabin up north for that same time frame, but they only frequented it, you know, maybe in the summertime. Well, then they'll go move to that cabin, live there to qualify for this two out of the five, and then they are able to use that same tax benefit uh, provided that they've lived in that house um, as the terms of the IRS says. So you can do that multiple times. I don't know of any cap, Bruce, but I'd have nope. to ask ask a tax person because no one has ever asked me that before. Yeah, I don't think there's a limit peg. And, and again, if you think about it logically, how many times can that even happen where you'd have that much gain in a property? But I like what you said, and I think that's the, the key point. You have to have lived there two of the previous five years. Um, and then if you have a second home or a vacation home, you can actually move in there and live there and sell that also and not have capital gains. And again, a lot of people don't know that or don't understand that. So again, the 250 is per person. So if a married couple buys a home for 250,000 and they sell it for 750, they don't pay any capital gains tax on that gain. But if they sell it, if they buy it for 250 and they sell it for 800, then they're gonna have to pay taxes on 50,000 of the gain, the 50,000 over the 500. But I don't. I'm not aware of any limit on how many times you can do that. If you're if you're lucky enough to have that happen multiple times, then I think you can take advantage of it every time. All right, lots of great questions. I'm really uh, impressed with people what they want to know from you. Here's a quick one. Please explain how many roundtable groups exist at Wealth Enhancement. Great question, Peg. Talk a little bit about roundtable. Both universal, 
where a lot of people attend versus smaller round tables. Yeah, so uh, the round table is what I would call like a universe. And so um, one of the round tables is a more formal round table where if, if the web team, if we have a prospective client and they come in for our advice on every component of planning, we will actually offer them um, a view of the roundtable in, in looking at their situation and saying, oh, we love what you're doing in the investment area. Oh, you could use a little more coaching in the tax area. You really need the legal team, you know, and their advice about what to do in the legal side. And we get gather all those um, suggestions from the roundtable team of specialists. Then we uh, ultimately put that just in a, a little booklet form and walk it through with the client. Even though I have a lot of experience in all those areas that we mentioned, these specialists, I can't possibly keep up with all the brand new rules. And also the clients um, want us to take it a little deeper dive and use the specialist in case there's something unique about them. Then I go back to that prospective client and say, here's what the roundtable suggestions are. That's what I call the formal roundtable. The second one is um, just reaching out to anyone in the entire company and asking them for help on any particular case. Our group of people, especially the advisors, it's very unique that all of our advisors are all sharing. They have this all sharing culture, meaning if I reached out to Bruce or if I reached out to um, an advisor in New York City or L.A., uh, they would pick up the phone and help me. Uh, and then we use this kind of chain of emails, too. Like, I can put an email out, Bruce, and say, I've got a client looking for this particular thing. And I'll get, you know, probably no less than 25 emails back saying, here's a suggestion for you. So that's another form of our roundtable. Uh, other things you can add, Bruce? Yeah, a little bit. Um you know, the, what I always tell people is in a typical financial advisory firm model, there could be two advisors sitting in the same office, but in reality, they're in competition with each other. If somebody walks in the door, they both want to convert that person into their client. So there is not this sharing collaborative culture that we have created. And I've told this story many times, but it bears repeating. We, we, we tell recruits, people that we want to bring into the firm, we tell them about this culture, and, and I think they think we're embellishing or exaggerating. And oftentimes, then after they come to work here, they'll, they'll walk into my office or, or, or call me up and say, you weren't kidding. I, I thought you were overselling it, but you really do have, a, have, have, have this sharing collaborative culture. So I tell people all the time, one of our great strengths is, is that you're never limited to my technical expertise or lack thereof. I don't make unilateral decisions. It goes through a formal roundtable or it goes through a smaller roundtable, my immediate team, my financial planner, or maybe uh, Pat Wolf and Steve Hess, the other advisors that I share an office with in Eden Prairie. But to your point, Peg, about an email, how many times recently have you seen me fire off an email to all financial advisors asking for help? And I'm getting responses from from folks in Florida, New York, and Boston, relatively new offices of Wealth Enhancement Group. And, and oftentimes, I've not even met these people face-to-face, -face, and they're helping me 
uh, when I when I fire off an email. So we do have this culture that goes back to the infancy stages of the company. You're the one that named it a roundtable, and I love your thinking and naming it. If we're really going to be technically correct, it was probably an oval table, but it started when we all sat around the table on Wednesdays for lunch and I ordered pizza, and we talked about cases and things that we should do better as a company, and it just grew and grew and grew from there. So um, it, it, is, it, it is an important distinction because most places you're limited to the expertise of your advisor, and there's a lot of great advisors in this industry. Don't misunderstand me, but... In, at Wealth Enhancement Group, you're not limited to the expertise of one person. At, at a minimum, you know, sometimes it's not a, a, a round table, but it's a tax issue, and I'll go to my our tax team and get the answer. Or sometimes I'll just put our tax specialist and my client in, to talk to each other, and I'll step out of the middle, and, and they can talk to a tax person that I set up that conversation. So, I, I love our business model. It, it was not an accident the way we did it. Um, it was it was by design, and I think I think we created something unique that is the envy of a lot, a lot of a lot of our industry. All right, we have just over six minutes. And lots of great texts we want to get to. You can text Peg and Bruce at six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. This listener says, "Good morning, great show. My wife and I own six rental properties. Should we sell some or all of them?" Properties were purchased as retirement income, but it is hard to manage them. Okay. Yeah, I think, you know, we've run into this with our clients, too. They've kind of acquired all these properties over time. And you can do one of two things. You can keep them and then hire somebody to do the job that you're doing. Now, yes, that takes away from some of your profit, but you'll have to run the numbers and see if that makes sense. Secondly, I wouldn't look at it as an all or nothing. I think when you feel overwhelmed, which I'm just reading into this text, that's the way you kind of feel like, oh, it's just an all or none. We got to get rid of all of them. What you might want to do is just start selling them one by one and then see how you feel about the complexity that's left. Uh, and then you might want to also just hire outside specialists like a tax person if you're trying to do that yourself. And then if you don't have your key people to, to keep up with the places, because I can imagine things are breaking and then you got to call this plumber, that plumber, you know, try to create your own team of people that you've got um, that you've got confidence in. So you don't it's so it doesn't feel so daunting. Yeah, Rashini and Peg, really quickly, um, Peg, I have a lot of clients that I think they came to me for the first time fairly late in life. They've been, quote, unquote, real estate people their whole lives. Never invested in the stock market, never had a financial advisor, but now they're feeling overwhelmed and they want to slow down and they don't want to manage all these properties anymore. So they do begin to sell them and they want to know what to do with the proceeds. So that is not an uncommon occurrence. But I like what you said. You don't have to be a real estate person or a stock market person. You can do both and you don't have to sell all of your real estate. But off, but oftentimes people that have been real estate people, they come to me to help them sell the real estate and invest the proceeds. Rasheed? Okay, lots of very interesting questions. People are getting kind of uh, technical also. This listener says we have a $2.3 million portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. The proceeds of this will cash flow us to age 95. I have a hard time with 40% bonds knowing their glad path for the next 30 years 
give a very low interest rate opposite of last 30 years? Your advice would be appreciated. Pick 60-40 portfolio on $2.3 million. Yes, so this is actually a question we're getting pretty much every day now. Those bonds are not doing anything. But um, we, the stock market still continues to go through cycles, good cycles, bad cycles. Bonds do prove to be a protector, you know, in those types of cycles. But what we do is we do add a component or a diversity of inflation focus. So think about this. If you have bonds, they're, they're still paying their dividends, even if the value of it might be dropping because interest rates are going up. Well, on the opposite side, if you think about diversification, when interest rates go up, it means that the economy is probably doing quite well. Well, then if interest rates go up, then inflation starts to show up. And so we um, add this inflation focus sleeve to our bond portfolios so that when one is down, one is up. No different than the stock market. When that's down, bonds tend to do better. And when bonds are not doing so well, inflation focus does better. So that, Bruce, is just explaining how you have to build a diversified portfolio for different times in our economic um, cycles. Yeah, and I understand, you know, not liking 40% in bonds for all the reasons you said, too. But couple things that we don't know from the texture. We don't know how old they are. We don't know if they're retired yet or not. We don't know how much of that money is in tax-deferred money, like retirement plans, IRAs, 401Ks. We don't know if any of it's Roth or tax-advantaged money. So there'd be a lot of other things we would need to know. But um, I would just say this, and, and the other question I'm getting a lot is, Bruce, you say to have cash, but right now it's not earning anything. I hate that. I hate having my money in cash, making nothing. And I get that, but there's still a purpose for it. The purpose of cash is the principal doesn't go down. It's money that's accessible and it's safe, and, and you need some of it. And I get that it's a really low return right now. And, and bonds may not look great right now, but they serve a purpose. They're a diversifier or a risk hedge to your portfolio and or an income producer. So they still serve a purpose. Now, should it be 60-40 or could you go 70-30 or have less bonds? Maybe, probably. But they, they still serve a purpose, even though if you look at them individually or isolate them, they, they don't seem very attractive as compared to how well stocks have done. So I, I get the question. But the last thing is, remember, the goal is not the highest rate of return you can possibly get. The goal is the rate of return that you need to live the way you want to achieve your goals and objectives and to get that return with the least amount of risk possible. So, Rashini, I know we're about out of time. Sorry about that, but I think that was an important point to make. Yeah, and there were several texts we didn't get to this week. Remember, you can email or call Peg and Bruce during the week. The email is yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. You can also call in and leave your question. 888-6-ADVICE. And there were a lot of great questions, so I hope people take Peg and Bruce up on how they can reach you during the week. We will be back with more Your Money on Sunday of next week, same time, same place. So be sure to join us then. Meantime, we hope you have a very healthy and happy week. Thanks for being with us on Your Money. The previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey, Inc.